From inflation to the rising cost of health care, in today's economic environment, many patients may delay or choose not to move forward with recommended care because of the cost. By accepting the Care Credit credit card, you can help more patients get the care they want and need without delay by offering a convenient way to pay for coinsurance, deductibles, and care not covered by insurance. Plus, when patients use Care Credit, you receive payment in two business days, helping to increase cash flow and reduce self-pay receivables, enhance the patient experience, and help increase satisfaction and loyalty with Care Credit. For more information or to get started, visit carecredit.com/mgma-podcast. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and the host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we're happy to welcome Susan Alloy to the show. Susan has her PhD, her FACMPE, and is Faculty Program Director at Thomas Jefferson University School of Population Health in Pennsylvania. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, I'm going to ask you, uh, hopefully this is an easy question, but you can take this wherever <laughs> you want. What first got you interested in healthcare? Oh, that's an easy one, uh, Daniel. It's my mom. My mom was, and still is, a, a registered nurse. Okay. And she actually used to bring me to work with her when... I was younger. She actually worked in a primary care practice, and I actually would sit at the front desk while she would care for patients. And I just have these wonderful, vivid memories of her caring for these patients and these patients loving her so much uh, because of her interactions with them that I knew at a very young age that I wanted to go into healthcare. Uh, and then over time, I realized, well, I don't think I want to be a nurse. Um, I want to go into some type of administrative role in healthcare, uh, and that's where my mom encouraged me to, you know, get a part-time job at a hospital or a primary care practice and learn about the different parts of healthcare until I landed in an area that I loved, which happened to be medical group practice management. So I, I owe a lot to my mom for kind of pushing me in that direction and, and feeding my dream. Wow. And, that and, is a and, great, yeah. yeah. It's a wonderful story. And th thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning, you are at Thomas Jefferson University. Um, yes. <clears throat> Tell us about that. Tell us about, so you're involved with population health there. Tell us about your role at the university and really where you kind of see that going on a either a day-to-day -day basis or if it's more long-term planning. Talk sure, about that. Sure, sure. You know, I've seen so many changes in the past two decades plus that I've worked in healthcare. And I've seen so much day the same and I've seen so many changes. Um, so from my perspective, perspective, it it could be a little frustrating when you're working in healthcare as a also a patient. And 
I wanted to find a place for me where I can blend all of my experiences and my background and maybe have a different impact on healthcare. So Thomas Jefferson University has a doctoral program in population health. And this is a new program that started about two years ago. And we are building infrastructure and and working with researchers all across the country that are focusing on population health issues. So my impact on being able to prepare current and future healthcare leaders, especially in the areas of value-based healthcare and population health, is very rewarding for me. And through the research that these doctoral students are doing, I truly feel like they're going to be making a difference in the health of a population in ways I've never seen before um, because of the different space that I've lived in. Um, I'm seeing innovative ideas coming from these students and the patient communities in which they are working with across the country. And it's extraordinarily inspiring every single day to, to work with a group of people who want to see change and want to influence that change. So this program has been growing uh, exponentially over the, the past few years and, and being able to work with such an esteemed faculty in the Philadelphia area is, is just um, like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Following up on that, what is currently energizing you about the field of population health. What's going on out there right now that energizes you, maybe even from a positive side or from a Uh negative side? I'm going (laughs) to let you take that the way you want to. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll start with the not-so-positive side. When, When I talk to students and the researchers and they're focusing on issues in the communities that were issues 20 years ago, it makes me sad that we haven't made a dent in some of these communities. Um, you know, let's pick on um, you know, diabetes management. I mean, why is it that we, 20 years later, we still have issues in certain communities? So that kind of makes me, makes me sad. But then I get motivated and inspired when I've got five students who are working in communities across the United States and partnering with local um, organizations to actually look at what the root causes of why things are not happening in the community and being able to develop innovative solutions and understand why. And what's happening. So, you know, I think in the area of of population health, what is happening is that there are pockets where we're having a laser focus, finally, on certain areas of healthcare, whether it be cancer or obesity or diabetes. There's a focus now that's so laser driven that I'm hopeful and inspired that we're actually going to better understand what's happening in these communities, what the challenges are, what the obstacles are, and then more importantly, how we can make a positive impact and finally have an, have um, positive change in these populations. Okay. 
Well, thank you. Um, now, you and I were talking offline. Uh, you had mentioned that you are one of our speakers at our MGMA's Leaders Conference. It's going to be in Nashville, October 22nd through the 25th. Uh, we're both really excited about going to Nashville, about yeah. interacting and networking with everybody. So let's go over your session. You're going to be talking on the topic of leadership reimagined. Tomorrow's success starts today. What what can somebody expect to learn from that session? Yeah. So with my colleague, Chris Baird from the Baird Group, uh, Chris and I are going to be discussing how leaders can develop themselves and develop their teams so that they are successful in today's healthcare environment as well as the future healthcare environment through an intentional path of leadership development. So leadership development is one of those areas that tends to get put on the back burner for organizations and for individuals for lots of reasons. Um, it could be just not part of a strategic plan. There could be financial challenges. Uh, there could be, you know, there's just not someone to lead that type of initiative. So what Chris and I are going to be talking about is, is how you can intentionally focus on leadership development for yourself and your, for your organization through tips and tools and resources, and even the many resources and tools that are available through the MGMA as part of your membership. So, you know, thinking about cost, you know, there's so many um, courses and tools that the MGMA knowledge assessment offers to organizations where where our leaders today can start understanding where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, so that they can start developing from a leadership perspective. And and that's a no cost because you're it's part of your membership. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about how organizations can develop leadership institutes because today's healthcare systems as you know you and I were talking earlier offline there, there's lots of change happening in healthcare and organizations that are looking at how can we have a leaner management team? How can we do what we still need to do with less leaders, with a, a flatter organization? So for the leaders that remain, how can we develop them? How can we ensure they are successful with all of the challenges and forces that are impacting their role today? So I'm really excited about this session and especially being able to speak with with Chris, a longtime colleague of mine. And it's going to be a great session. So hope we get lots of folks showing up. Yeah, we just had Chris on the podcast about a month or so ago. And we weren't talking about this session. We were talking about the power of the first phone call, which was really interesting. I was just <laughs> yeah. I was just re-listening to that yesterday. I was looking up some information about that and was just fascinated by it. So um, great to have both of y'all there speaking. Um, looking at healthcare leaders, though, where is the industry currently getting it right in developing healthcare leaders? And maybe where do we have some some work still left to do? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. And and I've thought a lot about it. And, you know, we could probably have a session, a separate session just yeah. on these these two topics. But, you know, as far as getting it right, um, health care, there is a continued and ongoing emphasis on clinical excellence. So, you know, I do see across the country and even locally where health systems have a deep understanding of the importance of focusing on clinical excellence. So that is something that inspires me. Um, mm-hmm. I also see that healthcare systems are thinking more about interdisciplinary collaboration. So not thinking so much about their organization vertically, but looking at it more like a, a tic-tac-toe board where how can we work together vertically and horizontally to care for our patients. So that is encouraging as well as healthcare systems recognize the importance of that. Um, and, and I continue to see healthcare organizations emphasize patient-centered care and how they are putting patients at the center of their decisions ensuring that there's safety, there's patient satisfaction, there's patient well-being, as well as employee well-being. So that is, they're getting that right. They're, they're mm-hmm. still that, that patient-centered care. And then areas where maybe there's a little bit of a derailment or, um, you know, it's just part of our evolution in healthcare, where there is less of a focus on developing leadership and focusing on mentorship and succession planning and um, diversity, inclusion, and also thinking about just you know change management. So you know looking inward with within the organization, there's certainly areas of improvement from the development perspective. Um, and even thinking about, you know, from the patient perspective, innovation and technology, you know, is the innovation and technology that healthcare systems are investing in actually improving patient care outcomes? Mm-hmm. Are they improving patient care? So as I talked about earlier, you know, we still have certain health conditions across our country that technology and innovation hasn't fixed because it's not a technology or innovation problem. So as we see certain conditions in a certain population deteriorating, um, having high technology solutions may not help that population because that's not what's broken. So, So there are areas for improvement, I believe, in healthcare to truly understand what's the root cause and what do we need to do in healthcare to fix that from a patient perspective, where talk where technology may not be the solution? Mm-hmm. So just a few areas. <laughs> yeah, a couple of small things there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're well, they're making progress. They're they're certainly you know making making progress, and the the healthcare organizations today, you know, we're they're almost unintentionally creating a new generation of leaders through a lot of the reorganization that's happening across the country and equipping leaders with being able to pivot and understanding the the um you know challenges of working in in healthcare today so i think that's one of those unintentional outcomes of of what's happening as well 
Mm -hmm. Do you have an example then of uh, a practice where they have a strong leadership development program and what that looks like? Mm -hmm. Um, I... You know, I, I looked at this question when you sent it to me uh-huh. <laughs> and I had uh-huh. to think and I, I I had to to think about it. And okay. and it's not so much one organization that I can say they're you know, they're doing it right, they're focusing on it. Um I've seen pockets of excellence. Mm-hmm. If, if that's um, so, you know, one I, I'm Northwell Health in in New York mm-hmm. is you know certainly an organization that focuses on their leaders and setting them up for success. Uh, and what does that mean? What that means is that they are they are intentionally developing and and um mentoring future leaders so they see potential and they start building and grooming and growing those individuals so that they can learn how to uh, communicate better collaborate better um, focus on you know employee engagement and so they figured it out and then there are other organizations that recognize the importance of of um, you know making sure leaders have the tools to do their job most of the time but I I really haven't seen um, you know a, a, a model that I would run towards mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when I worked at Wall Cornell Medicine New York Presbyterian they, had an informal leadership development program where the managers of the units or the departments of the units took it upon themselves to develop their teams. But they had a wealth of resources available through to them through Wild Cornell. So, so while they might not have had a department, so to speak, that focused on leadership development, the individual managers themselves, it was part of the culture. So, mm-hmm. so you know, it's there's so many different models out there, you know, whether it's ingrained in the culture and you have leaders who are intentionally developing their staff or you have an organization that it is, it's part of their culture, but there's a infrastructure and resources who are helping you to assess, develop, and groom future leaders. So I don't think there's a right or wrong model. I think the model is on the culture. Mm-hmm. And you start the results. You see vertical and horizontal collaborations, um, increased employee engagement. Uh, you see staff who stay with leaders for a long time. So you see reduced turnover. Um, you have teams that work well together, problem solving abilities, and you have a lot of trust and accountability across teams. Okay. Well, Susan, I do see that we are up against time. So I want to thank you for joining us today on the MGMA podcast. Thanks so much for sharing these thoughts with us. 
Thank you. Thank you. And my closing comment is be intentional about your development. Own it. Manage it. It's your responsibility. Develop your plan for your future and think about where you want to be in three, five, ten years. And you'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. All right. That that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's uh, podcast. So thanks again to Susan Alloy. She's a PhD, has her FACMPE, and is also faculty program director at Thomas Jefferson University School of Population Health. Um, and she's also going to be a speaker at our leaders conference in October. I'm going to provide some resources for everybody in our episode show notes. So you can hop right in there and, uh, see what Susan has going on, what her session's going to be about. So thank you everyone for listening to the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.